1: this irish man stands with america this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network
2: hello america welcome to the program thank you so much for tuning in today we have a lot to discuss um and i'm hoping you'll bear with me in this show because this show is always one of the hardest shows i ever do um it's it's a show that I, I wreck my brain about quite a lot because I think it's important we discuss it. Um, but what do you say that can add meaning to it, that, you know, is worth your time? What can I say that's different? Of course today is Saturday, September tenth. Tomorrow Sunday, September 11th, marks the 15 year anniversary of 9 11. One of the worst days in American history. A day where the world changed in many ways. America changed. The world changed. Anywhere you look in your everyday life, there's a chance it has changed dramatically because of 911 you know this year marks the first year that high school freshmen will learn about 911 as a historical event they were not alive for it's 15 years one of the reasons one of the reasons this is a hard issue to talk for about because it's like so many other issues in history today. it's been watered down, it's not talked about, um, it's reduced in significance when it is a a really significant event. It's just one of those history events that we all say we'll never forget but do we really teach our kids if you weren't alive or you were a two or a three year old what exactly do you know about nine eleven? and I'm sure you know a quick google search by anyone you can get the facts and the figures but how much do you know about the story earlier this year I was blessed. I was in the states, and I was in New York, and uh, and one of the bit of time I had some time to myself, I went to the nine eleven museum, and it's it's wonderful. Um, it they have done a really good job of laying out the artifacts and and telling the story, and it's an incredibly moving experience. But and I won't ruin it for you in case you've never been and you plan to go. Um, but one of the, the biggest pieces is as you're I'd say about maybe 15% through the exhibit you, you get to a point where there's this big large wall in front of you and it's filled with blue tiles and in the middle of the tiles there's a gap and there's a big letter, big letters, saying a, 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 say, a phrase, a saying. And that says, No day shall erase you from the memory of time. Well, that sounds great, but... Have we erased 9-11 from time? Do we... Do we share the stories of 9-11, of how much it changed the world, how much it changed each and every one of us. I want to spend some of today's show, I want to just run through, I just want to talk about 9-11 for a few minutes, but for the rest of the show I kind of want to share some thoughts with you that I've been thinking over the last week, planning for this show, of self-reflection. How have we changed as individuals? How have we changed as people? So what was 9-11? Well, it was a day that will always be remembered, or should be remembered, for two things, in my opinion. One, the day the world changed. When we saw horrific, horrific scenes of death, destruction. And where people were pushed to a point where they had no hope. But it's also for me, in some part, should be remembered for heroic events. For heroic people. Let me explain. 19 hijackers decided they wanted to change America and they wanted to do this terrorist attack. And at 8.45 a m on September eleventh they hit the eightieth floor on the north tower of the, the world, of the world trade centers. a mere eighteen minutes later, they hit the sixtieth floor on the south tower with a plane. An hour later, they hit the Pentagon. all they needed to do these horrific acts were box cutters and knives now if you remember back to that day by 9:45 in that 60 minutes the north tower was hit the south tower was hit and the pentagon had just been hit how did people respond to horrific barbaric Inhumane actions of terrorists. Some heroes were born. You know, one of the the funny questions I get um, is why do I end the show the same way each and every week? What does it matter to me? Well, there are many reasons I do it. But 9-11 is a pretty good one. 9-11 9-11 was a day where over 400 firefighters, police and emergency personnel died, all trying to help someone else. And I want to just tell you a story. Just think of yourself, it's 7am, or half 6, on September 11, 2001, and you're a Whichever you feel most comfortable thinking about. You're a policeman, you're a firefighter, you're an emergency, you're a paramedic. And you lean over and you kiss your wife or your husband goodbye, and everything's fine. The world's just another day. And you kiss your wife or your husband goodbye if you've got kids. You say, I'll see you later, have a good day at school, You know, do what the teacher says, be good for your mother or your father, you know, the usual stuff that you say. And you get in your car and you go to work, just another day. And then, the call comes across the radio. North Tower's been hit, North Tower's been hit. And if you missed that call, 18 minutes later, you heard the call, South Tower's been hit, South Tower's been hit. And each and every one of you and your brothers and your sisters rush to the World Trade Centers. The reason I focus on the World Trade Centers is because they were so big. And you see they've been hit. And you see the North Tower's been hit on the 80th floor. Now, I don't know how much you know about firefighters, especially in particular, but what they carry is not light. It's extremely heavy. Imagine, imagine having to see that side of a big gaping hole on the 80th floor of the North Tower. imagine what must have been going through your mind imagine getting your backpack of where your oxygen and your axe and all the other equipment that you need and it's heavy and then just the thought alone of oh my god I'm going to have to go up 80 flights of stairs and then as I get up the 80 flights of stairs I'm going to have to help people and then I'm going to have to come down 80 flights of stairs It takes incredible courage and honor and love to walk into a burning building. Because as I'm I'm sure many felt at the time when they saw that, I'm sure a few people said, we're not coming out of this alive. In a society where we deem so much BS as heroic oh, he held his nerve and he held and he hold a push. Oh, he held his nerve and, and, he, and he grinded out and he threw that winning touchdown or he hit a home run they all pale in comparison to running into a burning building to the police who rushed there to help I know, into 2016, you know, we hate the police. The cop is our bad guy. They're all racist thugs, haven't you heard? Yet they rushed to 9-11 to help. Each and every one of those 400-plus police, firefighters, and emergency personnel woke up on September 11, 15 years ago. Just thinking it's just another day at the office. And they kissed their wives or their partners or the kids goodbye or said goodbye to their family and friends. They didn't know it was the last time. Yes, it was. You wanna talk about other heroic events of nine eleven? Flight ninety three. Because of the the terrorist attacks, there was a a backlog and some flights were delayed. And Flight 93 was delayed, taking off from New Jersey. And most people on that plane knew of the attacks. They might not have thought it was terrorism yet, but they knew. And then as Flight 93 was hijacked, a few people decided... Well, they're not crashing this plane into a building. Imagine receiving this call. You're at home. You've seen the horrific events on TV. You saw the North Tower and you see the South Tower. You now have seen both towers collapse in your front of your very eyes. You have the devastation. And then your partner calls you. And he says this to you. I know we're all going to die. There's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey. Imagine them being the last words from your partner. They are truly, truly touching words. 9-11 might be forgotten by some, or it might be marked in passing. But it is an event I will never forget. And I will continue to try and tell the stories of it. Because as we saw horrific events by terrorists, we also saw some heroes. And the sad thing about those heroes is we don't know some of their names. I want to finish up this part by just taking a moment and playing something as my salute to the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and all their families, and to all the 3,000 victims who were murdered on 9-11.
1: versus freebies this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn
0: on the blaze radio network in the next 19 seconds you could sell your home
1: Freedom's Disciple, with Jonathan Dunn, On Demand, on The Blaze Radio Network.
2: Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. The reason I always play that song is because, one, I think it's simply beautiful as a piece of music, but it's one of the pieces of music that I'll always remember as I... I equate to nine eleven. That an amazing grace. But I just wanted to salute the real heroes in America. The real heroes in nine eleven. You know, I often say, the history of America is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. That is etched in your history throughout. And even in times of crisis, when you're faced with unparalleled, horrific, barbaric hatred, there will always be an American to stand up and do the right thing. And we saw that on 9-11. I want to spend the rest of this show just giving, sharing some thoughts that I've had with you over the last week or 2 Nine Eleven will always be in my mind for many, many, many reasons. But it's always the start of a, a period of time in my life each and every year, no matter how hard I try to avoid it, even if I wanted to, um, It's a lot of self-reflection, because I remember where I was on 9-11. Like I'm sure many of you do. I can still visualize that day. I still, because I was in work at the time, and where I worked, there was a shopping mall right beside it. The bit we were all part of one big building. And I'll still never forget running into that shopping mall after I heard about the towers and running in and as we went to a there was a technology shop and they'd loads the TVs in the windows. Um getting to that shop and as I got there I the first thing I saw was one of the towers falling down. I can still visualize that me running into that mall and seeing it right now but any conversation about 911 is not complete in my eyes the story isn't finished because a big part of the story of 911 it's how you responded. If you've listened to me long enough, or you've followed me long enough, you'll, you'll have probably heard me say this several times. 9-11 was one of the worst days in American history, but 9-12 was one of your greatest days. Mm. Why is that? Well, it's because of you, how, how you responded. You know, just thinking back, look at how much you're, I don't want to talk too much politics today because it's just not suitable, but just, just to think one thing of politics. How did politicians in D.C. respond to 9-11? Well, they went out, went out to the Capitol steps, and they spoke. And after they spoke, they sang God Bless America. In 15 years, look how much that's changed. If 9-11 happened today, do you think the politicians in D.C. today would respond the same way? Well, we know they wouldn't because they wouldn't be allowed to use the word God. To focus in on how your people responded because George Bush on the night of September 11th gave a press conference or a speech from the Oval Office he wanted to address the nation and one of the things he said terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings but they cannot touch the foundation of America these acts shattered steel but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve How has America changed in the last 15 years? How have your people changed? Well, 9-12, as I said, was one of the greatest days in your history because it seemed for one snapshot in time, you all just put your differences aside. You all loved each other. Now, I wasn't there, so my experiences are all based through a TV, but I remember watching Sky News, which is one of the big outlets over here. It's owned by the same people who own Fox News, um, in case you've never heard of it. But I remember watching Sky News and watching the repeat of the terrorist attacks, but then on 9-12, they were showing pictures from Manhattan, where people who did not know each other were just consoling each other in the street. For that snapshot in time, nothing mattered. There wasn't a a test of, you know, what religion are you or what race are you or what class are you or what income you have or who you voted for in the last election. You all had that common pause in your step, the grief that was burdening everyone's hearts you came together like Americans always have I remember seeing pictures I think somewhere from Battery Park I'm not sure, I can't remember and some from Central Park, definitely where people were just huddled around, they didn't know each other, and they just lit candles, and they sang. It seemed for just that moment in time, people just wanted to love each other. And they would just reach out to a stranger, and they would receive that love. Because we all had a common grief, when I look at the hatred in in especially politics today, I wonder if we would come together as people if something horrific happened going forward. My heart says, "I think it would." but i'm not so sure anymore i'm losing a lot of hope in people at the minute the way they respond to things the other thing and it's when i say this to non-americans i think it's it's kind of a ridiculous thing to celebrate after 911 and as um i think but i think it is the way your people responded with regards to the flag, you automatically became patriotic again. Every house nearly had a flag put up outside. All glory was restored. To some non-Americans who I say that, today, they don't get the, the meaning of that. They don't get the the patriotism. It's it's a flag. Well, why is that a great thing to to return to? I think Americans I hope Americans still understand why it might seem insignificant but to me it was a big thing that love of your flag and all it represents today we have people who instead of Remembering the flag and everything it stood for. We burn it. We stamp on it. Because it's just cool and hip. We have people today. Walking amongst us. And I I don't want to judge them. I, I spoke about this last week. Who... Are so. have had so little history explained to them, that they think it's cool to kneel or to sit for the national anthem. That part of patriotism seems to be missing in many Americans today. You know, people might look at the flag and go, "It's just a piece of, it's just a piece of fabric, with certain amount of dyes in it." And then stars stitched into it. But when I think about all that flag represents. And what it stands for. When I think of the images of that flag being raised over certain places. Iwo Jima. The moon. nine When I think of... watching and seeing Manhattan through TV and you see the devastation of two big hundred story plus buildings and all the rubble all along the ground all the horrific deaths and the pride those firefighters and police took when they raised that flag that is the America I love because America has flaws you show me a nation past, present or future that doesn't but you're still a cause for so much good and you're still an Asian to be loved and we need to share that love and sadly when I started speaking out about a lot about politics and your history I thought my biggest job would be sharing my love of America with non-Americans. The biggest self-reflection I've had over the last couple of weeks is, because it's all just hitting me, the biggest battle we have ahead of us is sharing that love and history of America with Americans. And let me tell you, whether you like to hear it or not, it's a huge battle we have ahead of us. Because it's cool and hip to hate America today. It's cool and hip to hate people because of politics. It's cool and hip and easy to hate police. We have one hell of a job ahead of us. I gotta take a quick break, America. Don't go anywhere, I've a lot of a lot of other things to say.
1: You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com/slash liars.
1: Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Man, it stays like this, I. My One of my dreams is to have a radio show one day. But it's days like today where I'm, I'm kind of glad I don't because after the last segment, I don't think I could have went on air for a while. It's nice to be able to record something and take a breather and walk away for a few minutes. I want to... Just continue on this vein of self-reflection because I, I want to just address something. Um, if you, if you've been a a listener or, or, or I've read my work writings many many years ago, you will you will know two of the people who have inspired me the most and who I'm forever grateful for are Glenn Beck and Mark Levin they are two of the first people i started listening to because of technology um listening to their podcasts um, glenn beck on, watching glenn beck on fox in an irish boy i didn't have a lot of fox was my only outlet for a, for a long time and that's where i got to see glenn beck and then iTunes came along and technology got better and then I was able to listen to Mark Levin's podcast and then Glenn did his own TV network and I was able to follow them. And for me, they're just my personal favorites. I I listen to many others as well, but they're my favorites because I know them the longest and I'm also blessed to know Glenn personally. Um, But they helped me on a journey of education of learning and I know they help millions of others as well Um, learning about American history and to this day I still learn from both of them learning about American exceptionalism learning about the principles and Mark especially helped me with my love of the constitution because for my money there is no one better who's on national radio who knows the constitution better than Mark Levin and his body of work proves that however in case you have missed it or you don't follow certain like people like Mark Levine Mark Levine and Glenn Beck have very different outcomes and opinions on the 2016 election Glenn is my boss and he's a friend and um, he is on the he will not vote for Trump because he has no no beliefs the same as Trump he thinks he's a bad person and Mark Levin announced on Tuesday after Labor Day that he's going to vote for Donald Trump I don't want to make this about me because if you've listened long enough thank you very much but you know my feelings on Trump they're not good but I got a message on Tuesday from a friend of mine on Facebook so the two people you admire most have different opinions. Uh, who will side will you be on? And you know, and if I choose Glenn's side, will I will I start insulting Mark Levin and calling him a sellout? And he's oppressed everyone's principles and he's he's killed the conservative movement and all this BS. Why is it in 2016 we have to divide everyone? Here's where I stand on Glenn Peck and Mark Levin. I stand with any American who I share common principles with. Those principles who love America, who believe and can explain why America is an exceptional nation. And I don't mean something, well, you know, we're the most educated. No, I mean really why you're an exceptional nation, your history. If you can't explain American exceptionalism to me, I would question how much we have in common. I will stand with any American who loves freedom, who shares common principles with me, faith, hope, love, charity, who believes in the tr- what I call the trilogy of freedom, who truly believes they are divinely inspired, and who, quite honestly, are some of the best, Documents written by man, ever. And of course, that being the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Mark Mark Levin voting for Donald Trump does not change anything for me. Do I agree with it? No. But it does not change for me his impressive body of work. Mark Levine is, for me, right up there on in theological, sorry, not theological, philosophical debate. If you look at his body of work, his books, he wrote a book on the Supreme Court, which is very easy and very detailed and, and very worthwhile checking out. He has written books, A Conservative Manifesto, Liberty and Tyranny. I do believe that's his most popular book and most successful one. He has written a book that I would love to see everyone read uh, on Article 5, The Liberty Amendments, where he is a big promoter of that. Mark has given voice to so many people. He has taught so many about the Constitution and for me to see someone go well yeah yeah, yeah, Mark did all these things but you know he's voting for Trump so he's a sellout right one per vote does not make a person good and one vote does not destroy your soul because here's the thing I could take each and every one of you listening if I had access to your life I could take a snapshot of your life and promote it and make you look like a saint I could make you look better than Mother Teresa I also could take a snapshot of your life and make you look like Satan snapshots in life are just that snapshots it's like judging a book by its cover it's judging a whole body of work But the thing that annoys me the most is the question of, if I side with Glenn or I side with Mark, will I call the other a sellout? Will I start insulting them? So will I call Mark a sellout? What do you think? If you've listened to me for any amount of time, what do you think my response to that question is going to be? Will I insult and demean demean him? What do you think my response to that would be? Well, if you know me, I would hope you'd know the answer is no. It amazes me the amount of people who think insults and demeaning and and potentially threatening someone, because that's the world we live in, actually achieves anything. What good will that achieve? What end will that meet? How will that benefit me? How will that benefit Glenn or Mark or anyone else who reads it? or who hears this how will me insulting someone what will it achieve I, do, I don't see the point in this society where we've gone from 9-12 been the great, one of the greatest days in your history where you all came together to 15 years later where you vote differently to me I have to tear you down We all have to tear and insult and demean people who see the world a different way than us. Every American has a choice this November. And despite what some people have tried to put words in my mouth, I have been the same since day one. I am not a cheerleader for anyone. I will call everyone out. Whether it's Ted Cruz, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Marco Rubio and I have called all of those out in my writings and on this show, and in my social media posts. You have a choice. Now, some will vote for Trump because they love him and they believe in everything he stands for. Some will vote for him because he's the nominee, and quite frankly, there are people on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, who all they look for is that little or or D beside their name and go tick. Others will vote for him because... They fear Hillary Clinton and they believe she must never get power. And here's the thing, and I'm sure there are millions of people out there who will vote for Donald Trump for reasons I have not mentioned. Whether they're logical or not. We need to stop this dehumanization of an individual. That at certain points in our life we all intersect and we all meet and we all must get to the same place. My life experiences, my emotions, my education, my background, my upbringing are different to everyone else's. The same way my emotions are. And this idea that says at every two years or four years or six years we must all meet in one spot and have the exact same opinion or else I'm going to destroy you. I may not agree with everyone's decision in this election or in your everyday life. One of the defining parts of philosophy that I read was Voltaire's I may not like what you say, but I will defend it at your right to say it. That made me think for a long time and it changed and influenced how I see things. I, as a person, I'm a deeply flawed person and I am a sinner. I struggle every minute of every day of my life trying to do the right thing. I struggle with this show. I put a lot of time and effort, it might not seem it to you, but trying to think of things to talk about and to make it worth your while. I know your time is precious. It's an error of your life. It's a lot to ask of each and every one of you. And I try and present it in such a way that gets you to think. Maybe one day, when I am old and grey, I doubt this will ever happen, I will learn to live life the right way. And I will just have this life gig down, where it will be easy. Where it will be, hey, this is just it just comes natural. Maybe one day, I'll be an expert on what the right thing to do is, at all times on that day and not a minute before that time, I will then decide whether to judge people on the choices they make. I will then judge people and tell them when they are wrong. But until that day comes where I have life down and it all just comes naturally, I am not going to judge and demean and insult anyone. Because I want to treat people And I try my best to treat people the way I would like to be treated when I'm wrong. Until that day comes, I'm going to try and do everything I can to share stories. And to challenge you, each and every one of you, the only thing I ever want to achieve with this show is I want to... In a, not in a physical way, but in a mental way, I want to push you up against the wall, slap you, and say, where do you stand on the issue? And I want you to really think about it. But here's the thing. I'm totally okay with, if I push you up against that, that wall, and I slap you, and I ask you some tough questions, and the end of that, because I've seen you think, I've seen you process this, you have a different opinion to me, I'm okay with that. Why is it that we need this constant agreement, this self, I don't know, self-actualization where it's like, hey, everyone sees the world the way I do. I wish Americans could see America the way I do. But I'm not going to demean or insult you because you don't. I'm going to work harder to get you to see it to try and find new questions new stories that will inspire you that's that light switch might just go on what good will insulting come maybe you have it in you i don't and i never want to have that in me i want to try and be the best person i can because here's the bottom line each and every one of you listening just, is just like me. At some point in your life you will fail. When you fail and you're down on the ground on your hands and knees and you're struggling. The first person you see, would you like that person to reach out their hand of friendship. To pick you up. To dust you off. To console you. To comfort you. Maybe give you a hug. And a word of encouragement. Or would you much rather someone come along and kick dust in your face and laugh at you and point at you and say, you silly idiot, idiot, you moron, you dummy, you sell out, you deserve it. I, for me, want to try my best and I do fail, but I want to try my best to always offer a hand of friendship, even and especially when I don't agree with someone's decision. And to those who say, Mark has hurt the conservative movement. Well, if you're down to one person's decision on who to vote for, and that directly impacts the conservative movement, maybe, may I suggest, the conservative movement then has much bigger problems when you're relying on one person and how they vote. Don't use it as an opportunity to mock him or to insult him. Use it as an opportunity to say, we have a lot of work to do and let's start working. How do we unite? How do we get the conservative movement back? If that's your concern. I got to take one last quick break, America. Please don't go anywhere. I have a teary. I'm dying to share it with you.
1: This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: miss pat and stew this is a guy that played at north dakota state last year and was out but hurt was hurt for half the year Uh, yeah the new guy that they're gonna they're going to start now yep and they're now announcing he's going to be the quarterback game one wow so So he goes from north dakota state to 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 the the philadelphia eagles and is starting game Game one One. the job to have pat and stew weekdays at 5 p.m eastern on the blaze radio network
2: Thank you so much for sticking with me, Mark. Before I get to this theory, I'm really excited to share with you. And it's only the first part of the theory I'm laying out today because I still have a lot of work to do on it. But before we get there, I just want to um, encourage you for those that didn't listen last week. I've announced a new segment for the show, which is going to start next week or the week after. um, And it's basically called Life in Utopia. It's a segment where it seems to me that a lot of Americans, or a good chunk of you, are at least open to the idea of socialism. Bernie Sanders got a, quite a chunk of the primary vote. And it's a segment where you can get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me on social media. Uh, Twitter, it's Freedoms, Freedom Disciple. Facebook, it's Freedom's Disciple. Or through my website, www.freedomsdisciple.com. And you can say, hey... My friend has this idea, or I heard this, and the idea, Bernie, it sounds okay. What's it actually like in reality? Because some things sound great in theory, and in reality, they become a nightmare. So I want you, and I encourage you, if you've got a question, get involved. I have, I've had a few already, um, which I'm excited to deal with, um, and we're going to start dealing with them. But it's just a way for you to get involved. And if you want to know what life is like under socialist rule or in utopia drop me a message and I, I'll do my best to get to your questions each and every week. And the segment will run as long as you want it to. And um, as long as there's questions to address, I will I will answer it and I hope it gives you ammunition to talk to your friends and your family. So what's this theory I've been working on? Well I've been looking at elections and I've been looking at politics. And there's a train I've taught over the last 15, 20 years. And it's in many reasons why the progressives are winning mm. and other people are losing. And that is because of biology. What? John, biology? What has biology got to do with politics? Let me explain. There are three parts to your human brain. And they all start with the smallest. The smallest part of your brain is also the oldest. And that part of your brain is called the reptilian brain. And it's right at your, at your neck, at your spinal cord. And this controls the body's main functions. It controls your heart rate. It controls your temperature. Everything like that. However, this part of your brain is also responsible for things like self-defense, protection, self-preservations. And because of that, it has certain mechanisms in it that has like aggression and repetitive behavior. This is the oldest part of the brain, and it's in many animals. And it, the reason it, this is important, it's like, why does an animal strike, you know, like a snake? Why does it, it attack when it feels threatened or it wants to get something to eat? So it controls repetitive behavior, because as it fights, it learns, okay, that's a good thing to do, that's not a good thing to do, and it it teaches repetitive behavior. The next part of your brain is over the reptilian part of your brain, and it's called your limbic brain. And this is a part of your brain which deals with your feelings, your emotions, your memories, your motivations, and your arousals, what you like and what you don't like. This is the part of the brain that has no language. It's like the reptilian part. It does not understand language. So let me give you a couple examples. I'm sure each and every one of you have had situations in your life where at work or in your personal life or in any other situation where everything is telling you to act a certain way. All the facts, the figures, the popular opinion is saying, you must do this. Whether it's investing, whether it's buying something, whether it's just making a decision in work, moving job. And everything says, do it or don't do it. But your good feeling says, no, I just shouldn't. It's the opposite to the facts and the figures. That part of your body is your limbic brain talking to you. It's saying, "Eh, just not right. Another example. And I encourage you to do this, because I've done this, I've, as I've been talking to people about this, and I even did it to my mother. I was like, so, why did you love my father? Why, tell me why you love my father. He was funny, we had this eye connection, he was, he was really friendly, he, we had this spark. We just knew it instantaneously. He was hard working, he was funny. Okay, great, and as I said to her, okay, great, you just described your dog buddy. You had eye connection, you had this spark, you loved them from the thing. He was a hard worker. Try it with your friend or a partner. Why do you love? Why do you love them? You will come up with every reason and then understand that you could be describing your son, your daughter, your best friend, a dog. The reason is the limbic part of your brain does not do language. So when you're asked, why do you love someone? Love is just love. It's an emotion. your body tries to quantify it and explain well i love them because they have a great sense of humor you've also heard the sayings oh well you know they're they're a fiery redhead or they lead with their heart or they they follow they just follow their gut it's a good instinct those are not rational sayings they're just sayings that we use That's not true. What they are doing is they are people who lead with their limbic brain, how they feel. And there's the third part of the brain, and that's called a neocortex. And this is the rational thinking part of your brain. It deals with human language, so it can understand it. It deals with abstract thought, imagination, dreams, hopes, consciousness, intellectual tasks, impulse control. So anything that you want to do, when I'm talking on radio, I'm using my neocortex. I'm trying to give you principles and values. When you do your everyday job, whether it's a bus driver or accountant or teacher, you're all using your neocortex part of your brain. Now there's something that we need to understand as well. When we use curses, bad language, foul language, whichever word you want to use, and we insult people we are creating an emotional state and it fills the space between thoughts and ideas. So, this is all the biological fact. So, what has this got to do with politics? This all sounds great, John, but where are you going with politics? Well, I I was doing some research and some self-reflecting on on things, on policies and, and trying to plan for future shows and... When we talk to people, we're trying to simul- stimulate synapses in the brain. We're trying to get a, a response whether it's an emotional response or whether it's from the limbic brain or whether we're trying to fire the synapses in the neocortex when you know, when you talk about the constitution, when you talk about, you know, a tax policy, when you talk about a bill in congress, you're trying to, hopefully you're trying to fire the neocortex to try and get a reasoned response based on logic well, that tax policy won't work because if you increase taxation people will have less spending money people won't spend and you'll cause a potential recession so you know some thinking like that whereas if you reduce taxes um, you know people will have more um, income people might spend more and then you'll stimulate the economy they are all neocortex responses look at the left and the progressives in both parties in America look at and ask yourself what parts of the brain are they trying to stimulate the war on women Well, the war on women, all the facts, you know, the Lily Ledbetter Act, there are all these things that I could talk to you about, and we did a couple of weeks ago on the war on women, where all these facts and figures and opinions counter the narrative that's out there about the war on women. But yes, they're not trying to hit your neocortex part of your brain. They're trying to hit your limbic part, where you don't know language, you don't use facts and reason and logic, you use emotion the same thing with equality and fairness it's not based in fact and logic and reason it's based on emotion because you're against fairness and equality but it doesn't go just for the left and the democrats the right also use this no child left behind so you are against the bill you want children to be left behind that's not a logical response that's an emotional response the Patriot Act Are you telling me, so you're against the Patriot Act, so you must automatically be unpatriotic, right? These are all based to get you and gain an emotional response. Now look at Donald Trump. Whether you like this, now I'm not saying this is a bad thing or not. I'm just saying this is the biology fact of what he's doing. Look at some of the positions about him. I will make America great again. Which part of the brain is do you think he's trying to hit when he says something like that? Look at the common thread through many of his supporters from day one. I'm angry. I don't like what's happening to my country. Which part of the brain are they talking from? Look at some of his policies. The wall. I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Do you think that's expecting... When you say that, are you expecting a rational reasoned response? Are you expecting an emotional response, which so many people want to say, you're damn right we're going to build a wall. Remember the time where there was that little issue between him and the Mexican former president, when he's like, and the wall just got ten foot higher? Is that looking for a response from your neocortex? Or is it talking, yeah, you're damn right I got 10 foot higher. (laughs) And if you keep talking, you might get 20 foot higher. That's not a logical or reasoned response. That's an emotional response. I would ask you to look at politicians on all sides, whether you like them or not, and ask, what synapses are they trying to hit in your brain? Are they trying to hit logic and reason? Or are they trying to hit your limbic brain, which is all emotion and does not understand language? I would ask you then just to look at society. What do we value in society today? Is it coming from our neocortex or is it coming from our limbic brain? Because remember, our limbic brain is responsible for arousals. What, are, what is considered popular and you know, worthy in society today? We all want more money. We all want more power. We all want more material objects. You know, look at, and I'm not demeaning this, I'm not saying this in a demeaning way, by the way. But you saw the other day, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, one of the days during the week, Apple launched a new Apple 7. They all wanted it. It's all the fame going for it. That new object, that new shiny Apple phone. Even though some of the people who have it probably have an Apple 6 or whatever the model was before it. Look at all the things. We all want fame. We want fortunes. We want all our dealings online. We should talk about our feelings you know, people, it's amazing the amount of people who message me privately and go, <laughs> you do realize your boss gland's a sellout, right? What part of your brain do you think you're talking from there? Now, going forward, you have two choices to make. And it will be different for each and every one of you. And it's the same for politics and for life. You can either look at this, the road you're on where you're becoming very limbic brain thinkers, where you're basing everything on emotion and not in facts and reason. And you can go, I'm okay with that. I think that's, yeah, I'm, I have no problem with that society. I have no problem with Donald Trump saying I'm going to build a wall and him trying to hit the limbic part of your brain, them synapses. Well then, the one thing you need to understand is when you get there and that's the society you're okay with living in, well... You have to realize that there's a chance people might lie. And each and every, if you're talking politics, each and every election, you have to have the right person with the right policies to hit that limbic brain. It will all be potentially style over substance. That is a risk you take when you have that. In your life, it means... Do you really want to be emotional creatures? Because people will just be irrational. When you don't when your brain does not understand them logic and reason, people can get emotional for reasons that don't make sense. Or you have the other option. And this is the part I'm trying to think of. Because this will be the side I would stand on. Limbic brain thinking is great. After all, Limbic brain, our limbic brains is what makes us and makes us different from a robot. You know, if we all just talk with our neocortex and logic and reason, well, then we would be a robot. I don't want, I think the limbic brain is incredibly important. However, I do believe we need to have a balance. Logic, reason, with reason firmly grasped in its seat, but we also need to have the emotion connected to it. I don't know how we get to that point where logic and reason makes a comeback. I wanted to share this theory with you today just to lay out the start of it, of the, the, the biology side of politics and of the world today, that we are becoming limbic brain thinkers. Do you see this as a problem? If not, then you're totally good. If you do... <sighs> I'm going to try and find ways to address this and try and stem the tide and push it back so that it's a more healthy balance. But I would encourage you to, when you look at people, when you look at politicians, when you look at the media, ask yourself a question, just critically thinking, you know, see a report on something. Are they trying to stimulate my neocortex or are they trying to stimulate my limbic brain? I don't know, maybe this is something you found interesting. I found this incredibly interesting researching it. I watched a video and something just hit and then I researched a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. It's incredibly fun reading a report that you understand about 50% of the words. Um, That's about what I understood in the biology because they used lots of big words. But it was fun and I'm going to try and... This is a framework I'm going to try and add on in future shows but I just wanted to share with you today. I hope today's show has, it's been a roller coaster for me, um, lots of emotion, remembering a horrific event, but also remembering the great parts of it, to Mark Levine, to to your brain and biology. Um, I would really appreciate it, um, I appreciate you listening in every week and, and sharing this show. I'm trying to make things different. I don't know if you've seen a pattern over the last two, three, four, six weeks of making the show different. We're going in a different direction, which I'm really excited about. I hope you found it useful. Please consider sharing it with your fam- with your family, your friends, people at work. If there's parts that you want to share, even the short parts, um, which we make available as well, they're free. They're on SoundCloud, iTunes and Google Play Music. I really appreci- appreciate your support. Um, until next week, America, I hope you have a wonderful, peaceful, relaxing week. And I hope you do some self-reflection tomorrow on 9-11. As always, we finish this show the way we always do, by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. They are the real heroes in society. They risk it all for each and every one of us, each and every day. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Things are tough. Sometimes hope is not in abundance. But I am a firm believer in what the Tocqueville said. America is great because of your people. Never forget that and be part of the next great American generation. Until next week, America. Godspeed and God bless America.
1: This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on The Blaze Radio Network.